Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. Hello, America, and welcome to the Victor Davis Hanson Show. This is our Friday news roundup. There's lots of news to look at. We just saw the fourth presidential debate, and we'll start with that. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners... Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, You'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, 
head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Welcome back. I would like to remind everybody that Victor is the Martin and Italy Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. You can find him at his website, victorhanson.com, and it's called The Blade of Perseus. Come join us there. Well, Victor, there's been a fourth debate. I think it's the last and final one, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on the winner of that debate. Well, I don't understand it because first, News Nation only has 100,000 viewers. It's a good to give them a boost. They've got some pretty illustrious retired or fired uh, previous anchors. Bill O'Reilly, Chris Cuomo, no comment there. Sean Spitzer, Geraldo, etc. Okay, but they don't have any reach. And it's hard to get that venue unless you... Uh, DirecTV has it, but very few cable bundlers do so you you have a very small audience and then you're from 11 to 4 but there's no way that that Chris Christie is going to be the nominee there's no way that Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be the nominee so what people want to know is who is the viable alternative to Donald Trump and they think there should be a viable alternative not because they prefer Trump not run or anything just because they have no idea what the legal consequences of these four indictments will be so you want a full-time debate between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and they differ Haley represents she's not she's not a rhino she's trying to adapt to the MAGA agenda but she's in the Bush McCain Romney school and DeSantis, for all his differences with Trump, is a MAGA person. So they should have a debate. And they didn't. Instead, Christie and Ramaswamy gobbled all the airtime. And it just ended in, you know, cheap insults. Ramaswamy was, he got a lot of notoriety for saying things people thought but wouldn't dare say. Now he says things that people had not thought of, and had they thought of them, they wouldn't say. You know, when he says, you know, get off the stage and have a meal to Chris Christie, it's kind of, and then Chris Christie just screaming. He always says, you didn't answer the question. They ask him a question. He doesn't answer it either. They ask him point blank. Why did you so wholeheartedly endorse Trump? You even went to the extreme of advising him, not in 2016, but in 2020 about the first debate. And I would have added, and your advice turned out to be absolutely bankrupt, to, you know, to go after Biden and try to rattle his cage by interrupting. But he didn't answer it. How can one be so wholeheartedly in favor of Trump and then say that he's, you know, Satan incarnate when he had six years as Trump was a candidate and as president to, to see every dimension of Trump? He hasn't changed any. So that, that, that was bad. And, and then I thought DeSantis did the same thing he did against Newsom. His great strength is his record. So he just says, I did that. China, I did that. Transgendered excesses, I did that. Budget, I did that. 
school board, I did that. And that, that helps him. And Haley doesn't have that record. And so he, I think, won the debate. But again, with such a small audience and with the, the stage crowded, I don't know the effect of it, if yeah. any. They need to have a viable alternative. I think he's a much better viable alternative than Haley for one simple reason. I should say two. His record is stronger as governor, and he will appeal to the Haley constituency much better than Haley will appeal to the MAGA constituency. There's no way in the world the MAGA base will vote for Haley. I hope that if she's the nominee, they hold her nose and they vote for her because she's far better than Biden. But I'm not even sure that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it seems to me over the four debates that the one um, from the polls and from donors switching, Haley is the only one that's moved the needle anywhere in her direction. Is that is that your impression or do you have a different one? It's not because of her positions, except she's a little bit because Trump is more moderate on abortion than DeSantis or her, for example. And that's a big issue with the donor class. But she's the only woman. And she handles herself with grace and flexibility better than the other candidates. But when you actually look at what she's, actually, what she's done or what her positions are, they're the most out of sync of the remaining candidates with where the Republican Party is now. So I would say um, your point, Sammy, is that on uh, actual performance and answering questions and voice, intonation, poise, comp yes, you're absolutely right. As far as the actual debating and point scored, it was DeSantis. But she handles herself in a more charismatic way. At least that's the perception that the donor class. So I was in Palm Beach um, speaking for the Hoover Institution, as my annual obligations are. We all have to speak at retreats, and I had various venues with Hoover people. And then I met other donors, too. And I can tell you that there is a movement toward Haley by the ultra, ultra donor class. And I don't think everybody says, well, it's because she's a rhino or abortion. No, it's not that at all. It's just simply these guys are business people and they've made, been very successful because they chart the future and they look at the polls and they see Donald Trump is way ahead. And then Ron DeSantis is ahead of Haley, but that Haley is gaining. So they say that she has momentum and they want to back her as a alternative and somebody will say well victor you just contradicted yourself you always they always want a winner donald trump's a special case for them he he alienates them he his culture his mannerisms are not something that the corporate ceo hedge fund owner and big time investor appreciates they think he's too volatile when you ask them do you have a complaint of his four years of government no it was perfect everything he did was great but it's always his personality or his over-the-top statements or his cruelty to people. So, so I hear. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't know where it is, but what's happening is she's gaining traction, but it's, it's not coming from Trump and it's not coming from DeSantis. She is consolidating the fragments of the earlier debate candidates. 
and she's consolidating them and she's getting close to DeSantis. I don't know what they are, 14 or 13. Yeah. And of course, everybody's looking to say if, if DeSantis is 14, 15, 16, and Haley now is 14, 15, 16, and that's 30 something, it's still not as much as Trump has, 55, the two combined. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's what happened in 2016. They had more support, the candidates did, than did Trump, who had a minority of all of the voto- uh, voters, but he had a plurality, and they never were able to consolidate behind one person. Yeah. Well, speaking of Trump and Trump odium, um, it, it seems like that Trump derangement syndrome is reappearing now, and I was wondering your interpretation of it. We've seen Liz Cheney claim that Trump getting elected is a five-alarm crisis, and Biden even said he wouldn't be running if Trump wasn't running himself because he needs to beat him because we just can't have Trump in. So I was wondering, what what is why it's coming back again, and yes, do, do you it think is. it'll be effective? I, no. What it is is a Lynn. Cheney has a book that's number one on Amazon because she's on all of the major networks and left-wing media, which is the media. And that's her thesis, that he's an existential threat to the republic. And then you had Robert Kagan, the intellectual of the now left, who has 4,000 words. And I read that article, and it was very, I must say, it was incoherent because he basically said that the four years of Trump governance was pretty good but that he had other reasons, and that is that he acts extra-legally, which then begs the question. And this is the, this, the, what did he do that would justify the word dictator? Did he cancel student loans extra-constitutionally, the way that Joe Biden tried to do until he was stopped? No. Did he just simply destroy, as a dictator would, all federal immigration law as it pertains to the border and illegal? No. That's what Biden has done. He's destroyed federal immigration law. That's what Mayorkas has done. Just to get constituents, 8 million of them, he thinks are going to someday, maybe very quickly, vote for Democrats. He hasn't done any of that. Did he just, did he just say, you know what, a midterm's coming up, and I'm going to drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, even though my predecessor filled it up? And I'm going to draw it down when oil is expensive to give me a short-term advantage, just as I did with canceling student loans. So he didn't act dictatorial. Was he involved in a dictatorial uh, upsurp? Was he? Excuse me. Let me go. Was he involved with a dictatorial takeover of our major institutions? Did he pollute the FBI? Did he have anything like Russian collusion where the CIA and the FBI tried to destroy a political candidate with the full knowledge of the other candidate, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, then president? No. Did he order FBI agents to forge FISA doc? No. Did he lie? Did he did his people lie under oath in serious, important positions of power? Did Mike Pompeo, for example, did he lie under oath? Did Bill Barr, did any of them lie under? Like who? John Brennan, James Clapper, Andrew McCabe, James Comey, you name it. Did he hijack the IRS the way that Barack Obama did under Lois Lerner or the way that Joe Biden did as the whistleblowers inform us? Did he have a son who's was a crackhead whose laptop 
shows us that he was taking money from foreign sources routed through the family conglomerate? Did he use an, a fake name to get over 300 emails so he could communicate directly with people who were enriching him? No. So what did he do that was so dictatorial? I don't understand that. Did he advocate a military coup like Rosa Brooks, the foreign affairs officer who was a lawyer in the Obama Pentagon? No. No, no, no. Did he, did, did he have somebody wear a wire like Rod Rosenstein and Andrew McCabe so that they could entrap a president and find out whether that could lead to his removal? No. Did he ad advise generals uh, under the Biden administration to violate the code of uniform code of military justice and call Biden a Nazi or Mussolini after he did these dictatorial things? No. So I don't see, they never really spell out or delineate what he actually did as a dictator. Because we've had four years of him. He's not a blank slate. Yeah. And when you look what he actually did, border Trump, border Biden. No comparison. Border energy, border energy Biden. No comparison. Interest rates Biden, interest rates Trump. No comparison. Inflation Trump, inflation Biden, no comparison. Crime Trump, crime Biden. Afghanistan Trump, Afghanistan Biden. Wars abroad, Trump versus Biden. Deterrence, Trump versus Biden. It's all a win-win situation. So why are they saying this? That's your question now. Yes. They're saying it for three reasons. One, the polls look really bleak for Joe Biden. Trump, even with all of these scandals I just outlined, all of, all of them, Biden was running equal, equally to Trump or he was ahead. Not now. In all the nine swing states, Trump beats Biden handily and on the national level he beats Trump, uh, beats Biden handily. So they are paranoid. They think he's going to win, number one. Number two, the as the left says it, the walls are closing in now on Joe Biden as far as these family scandals. They now have a trove of fake email names. Why would the vice president communicate with private business associates of his son when he swore he had no knowledge of any of them and use a fake name so they could not be traced? Why wouldn't he get checks uh, from his brother, does they write, do they write loan repayment, but there's no evidence whatsoever of any loan or interest charge? Why does he go around the country and says the rich must pay their fair share when he did not pay taxes on these renumerances? So it's, it's going to close on him. And then he's cognitively declining. He, he gives a talk. He looks around. Hey, where do I go? You know, I'm 70 years old, and I, maybe I know more names now than I did at 50, but I forget names sometimes. But I don't, I'm not cognitively decline, declining like Joe Biden. And it, I don't think I should be president of the United States if somebody said, Victor, would you be president of the United States? I said, no, I forget names sometimes. And Joe Biden forgets all of the names. He's physically debilitated. I had long COVID for a year and a half. I was more physically vigorous with long COVID than he is. He can't do the job. Everybody knows that now. So you put all that together, the fact that he's corrupt, the fact that he's debilitated, and the fact that the polls show that he's not 
going to win, and the left went crazy. And they thought, now is the time to circulate the DNC talking points. Trump dictator, Trump dictator, Trump dictator. And of course, Trump trolls them. So what does he do in Hannity? He says, I'll be dictator for day one. When, and what he meant was, I'll issue executive orders the way Joe Biden did on student loans, and I will get the border closed, and I will open up federal leases. But he didn't say that. He said, I will be a dictator in doing that. Well, a dictator would just issue an executive order. Yeah. And so he was deliberately trying to get a one, a soundbite, sort of like, why do you dislike women? Megyn Kelly asked him in the first debate of 2007. Only Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) That that was funny. (laughs) Or John McCain. Uh, What do you say about John McCain? And the thing about that exchange is people didn't realize that John McCain said, that Trump supporters were crazies. They'd all come out of the world. He's got all the crazies. These people aren't crazy. So when he was asked about that, Trump wanted to troll him. And he said, I would prefer people to get, or to kill the enemy rather than be captured. It was a terrible thing to say, but that's exactly what George Patton said. He'd seen the movie Patton. So he was channeling that, you know, it doesn't do any good to die or get wounded or get captured for your country, you got to kill the enemy. That's yeah. what Patton said. Yeah. So that's what he was trying to do. And then the, he, he gives these sound bites and everybody gets it. So when I go somewhere and it happened to me in the Dallas airport, uh, people come up, nine out of ten are wonderful people, but one person will come up and say, how can you vote for him when he said this about Rosie or he said this? And they always latch on to that one trolling statement. I have no idea whether it helps Trump or hurts him, but it would be, I think he's just feeding this image of the dictator. And I don't know quite whether he does it deliberately or not. Mm, I think he has a little um, habit or thing that he wants to put a B in the mm -hmm. Democratic Party's hat. He wants to set them crazy (laughs) and call him a dictator. And then he expects us in the commentariat to contextualize it or analyze it and say, you know what? He's not a dictator. Or he wants them to ampli- amplify it. When he did, yes, and everybody will see how ridiculous we they are. George I think Will, that's yeah, more. And, and George Well was saying, everybody, you're nice behind Nikki Haley. That was very funny when he said that, George Will. He said, it's time to unite. Well, wait a minute, George. You told everybody not to vote for the Republican nominee in 2016 and 20. You're probably responsible if you had any influence and people listened to you of ensuring the last three years of the most liberal Obama selected judges that Joe Biden nominated. It's going to it's destroyed the judiciary. You did a lot of damage by that. And now after you're telling everybody not to vote for the Republican nominee, now you're saying for the Republicans to unite behind Nikki Haley. But you don't have credibility. Why would somebody say, yes, we all have to unite to have a conservative agenda when George Will said, do not unite behind Donald Trump, even though when they did and he won in 2016, they got the most conservative agenda they've ever had. Now he's saying unite behind Nikki Haley because I have so many so much credibility in advocating unity behind the nominee. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't ring true. Well, Victor, we need to take a break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about Randy Weingarten lying again. Mm, so, <laughs> stay gosh. with us. We'll be back. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? 
The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. We're back. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. And so speaking of, I, I know I ask you quite often because we come across these statements like Randy Weingarten saying that the teachers' unions were the ones behind opening schools, not closing them. And we know we have direct evidence that they were the ones saying, we're going to have a safety strike if you try to open they these schools, people. right? Yeah, they and they Exactly. But my question really is, do you think these these Democrats just get out there and they lie because they know that it's going to get onto the Internet and the Internet is a yes. amplifier by AI now and that yes. AI searches are going to insert their crazy lies into Well, look, at Garden did exactly what Gavin Newsom did in the DeSantis bit. He got up on the stage and he basically said that 
there's not a homeless problem because he's spending more money in it in California. It's he's already spent ten billion and it's increased. He basically said California's taxes are not that high. It's got the highest tax rate in the United States. He basically said the energy, your electric bill and your fuel, your gas and diesel were not that bad. It's the highest in the continental United States. He's got the highest gas tax, the highest income taxes, one of the highest sales taxes. And the property assessments are so high, it's some of the highest property taxes. And he just sat there and lied. So, yeah, Weingarten shut down the schools and she threatened people that if they didn't, blah, blah was going to happen. And she was, I mean, the whole education establishment was the one that got Merrick Garland to go after the school, te- the board, you know, the school board meetings of parents. That's who she is. And for someone who has a, a granddaughter with special needs and they shut down the school system in California. And she didn't get any instruction for two years, and she has suffered ever since. I don't know if she'll ever catch up. We've had people at the Hoover Institution who are experts in educational development, and they've made that argument that students do not uh, catch up once they lose those two formative years. Yeah. Well, um, let's turn then to Christopher Ray, who is starting to scare me. And it, it's for this reason. He, he was testifying to Congress and he said that threats against Americans are up. And we know at the same time that our border is wide open. And I don't see why Christopher Ray is not setting alarms for the government to shut that border down if we've got increased because, because his job depends. He serves at the pleasure of the president. The president, Joe Biden, through his agent, Alejandro Mayorkas, has a plan. They call it demography is destiny, and they write books, as I said in the past, called The New Democratic Majority. If you say it, Sammy, or I say it, then they say you're a racist who's in favor of the great replacement theory. But that's their theory. They want to bring in 8 million people, and they succeeded. Ten years from now, Joe Biden's supporters will say in the, among Democratic circles, he may have been bad, but he got us a lot of elected officials because we got in 8 million people who were poor, destitute, non-diverse, without skills, without English, and they needed massive government intervention. We grew government, we raised taxes, we got constituents, and they'll be with us for three generations. And that's what they're doing. And Christopher Ray knows if he were to criticize that, he would be fired. So like, he's willing to risk our safety for that? You yeah. This is a man who was testifying before Congress and said he had a, an urgent re- appointment and couldn't continue, walked out of Congress, got on his FBI private plane so he could fly to his home in you know, Arirondacks or Alleghenies or wherever it was. I mean, that's what he did. And he follows Robert Mueller, who claimed that he couldn't remember what Fusion GPS and the Steele dossier were under oath, the twin pillars that got his uh, special counsel appointment, and he followed James Comey, who claimed he couldn't remember under oath 245 times. Yeah. And he followed Andrew McCabe, who lied on four occasions to federal investigators. So he knows that there's going to be no, there's no downside about misleading or, or lying. And yeah. he, he, just, he just says, well, I'll find out about going after Catholic mass conservatives. 
Latin Mass uh, in the Catholic Church. He doesn't. Well, I'll find out about uh, FBI agents at school board means he doesn't. Oh, I guess there was some FBI informants on jail. I will get that information. But, you know, every little regional office chipped in, so I don't know. And Matthew Rosenberg said that he went there. He's a full surprise winning left-wing reporter, and it was full of FBI informants. But the director who's in charge of all that won't tell us. And so, yeah, I mean, the FBI is completely weaponized, which brings us back to that point that Trump is not a dictator. The people who weaponize the FBI are dictators. Christopher Wray knows that the FBI paid Twitter $3 million to suppress information for the benefit of Joe Biden in the 2020 election. Christopher Wray knew that that laptop was genuine and the FBI had it and did analyses on it and knew it and he kept it under wraps for a year and when Anthony Blinken called up the former interim CIA director and said, Mike Morales said, would you round up 51 hacks so they would swear that this is Russian disinformation? And they did right before the debate and right before the election. Christopher Ray watched all that when he knew that was a lie and he said nothing. And then when he was asked about that, we don't interfere in elections. You do interfere by your silence when you let lies promulgate. And you do it because you want your job. And you look at what happened to the last three directors. And you know that they survived by lying. And there were no repercussions. None. To, I don't know. I, I'm not one of the people who demonized Bill Barr. Because I think he tried to do what he thought was right. The worst thing he ever did was not indict Andrew McCabe for lying four different times about leaking. He lied to a federal investigator. And the fact that we're going after Donald Trump for overvaluing real estate assets, which the bank itself said had no direction, no influence, no importance because he got the loan and he paid it back with nice interest to their profit that we do such things in this country and then we let the FBI director lie. And the attorney general says, well, there's not really much there. We're just going to let him go. And once you let him go, then other people lie. And that's why Christopher Ray misleads because he knows there's no consequences. Yeah. Well, they're all beholden to Joe Biden as part of the executive branch, I guess. And so they just let each other do. We're but- seeing Joe Biden now. When, you, when they confronted Joe Biden this week and they said, what about these new emails, this new evidence? Lies, lies, lies. It's all like he came animated. The first time I've ever seen him animated and because he knows it's, it's true. And he knows that that's the most important thing to him, that he could lose his job or he could lose his reputation because he's an inveterate liar. And so yeah. he got animated. Yeah, and they'll probably, if he's, somehow they finagle him not to be in office, they'll probably continue prosecuting him. Just to say that, look, well, we really are people who would prosecute criminals like Joe Biden. Joe Biden knows because he knows who they are because he's one of them and he thinks like they do. If he tomorrow trips and gets, heaven forbid, a serious injury, a la Woodrow Wilson and has to go to bed for a month, or if he gets a serious case of the new round of COVID, 
and he's debilitated, then I guarantee you they all of a sudden the Washington Post, the New York Times, NBC, PBS, NPR will start. Well, maybe kind of sort of maybe. Yeah, yeah. He, he had some uh, emails and sources tell us that on these pseudonym mail accounts, there's actually evidence that he was receiving money from foreign sources. And this is problematic and disturbing. And maybe, maybe given his physical condition, that might be time to re-examine the question of whether he should be the nominee. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody knows how they operate. Well, what I'm worried about, just like with Christopher Ray, is that they're willing to compromise our security. So they are draining our oil reserve, and they're talking about bringing Gazans into the United States. And we know that 75% supported what Hamas did. I think that's the, t- the statistic. Is that correct, Victor? And why would we bring people in that support such There's barbarians? two things. They said any settler uh, in the West Bank that was accused of using violence, they were going to put a hold on their visa coming to the United States. They did not say any Gazan citizen who accompanied the 2,000 gunmen to participate in the rape, mutilation, murder, desecration of bodies of Israelis, or who shows up on film spitting, hitting, Uh, Israeli captives and corpses in Gaza shall not come. They couldn't even say that. And that's because that entire Democratic Party, the new Democratic Party, the staffers at the White House, the squad, the university presidents, they're all anti-Semitic. They're anti-Semitic because they believe in a binary. White people bad, non-white victims and oppressed, and therefore incapable of being racist, and therefore they get a blank check to be racist or anti-Semitic. And that's all it is. That's all it is. And so they see Gazans as oppressed, and they want them to come over. And, you know, here you have it. What's going on at Penn? Why do these three uh, university presidents, they're all women, so they're enlightened, and the universities are enlightened. They're not a bunch of old white guys. So they come up here, and they're asked point blank, what will you? What do you do to people who advocate the extinction of Jews in the Israeli nation? Well, it has. There's a context. Does it lead to any? No. See, they're lying right there, because I know that the president of Harvard, when she was a dean, provost, expelled people or put them on leave for inconsiderate speech, whether that was considered sexist or whether it was bad jokes that were off color or whether they did something that was egregious in the sense of it offended a DI person. And and I wrote this three weeks ago, a month ago, and I said, you just take the, t- the word black, Latino, trans, gay, and substitute it for Jewish. And those three women would have expelled that. If somebody at MIT had said, it's time that we just cleanse the United States of black people. They would be expelled, and they should, in a nanosecond. And they all know that. So they were lying, and they were lying. Why are they lying? Because they put their finger in the air, and they said, we allowed our campuses, or we as faculty and earlier low-level administrators pushed it to create this colonial, post-colonial studies 
race studies, critical race theory, critical legal theory that says that there's a cultural Marxist binary. Oppressed, white, oppressed, non-white, oppressors, white. That explains everything. That's what all the faculty feel. That's what the students. There's also a subtext to it, Sammy. When you, for three, two to three years, destroy the SAT, and you don't rate GPAs by the comparative quality of the undergraduate, I mean, the high school institution, then you're really left to a person's race and their personal statement. At Stanford, if somebody says BLM, 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 and just repeats it, that was one of the personal statements. They got in on that. So my point is that they are letting more people in that according to their own standards of just five years earlier, they wouldn't be admitted, even when they were fully-fledged affirmative action advocates. Now, they're not affirmative action proportional representation. They're repertory. We're going to let in more blacks or more Latinos or more women than their uh, population in the general demographics. And so one of the results of that is that Jewish students who traditionally did very well on the SAT and went to competitive high schools and got perfect, they're not there in the Ivy League. They're not 20 or 30 percent of Harvard or Yale or Stanford. They're down to 10 or 12 percent. And the result is these administrators, they look at their student profile and faculty profile and they say, you know what? We've let in three or 400,000 Middle East students. They pay full tuition. And we've got a polarized left-wing majority. And we've got very few Jews. So when it's a, if it's sticking up for Jewish students who are being harassed, do we really want to be on the side of 10% of the student body or 90%? And as far as money goes, yes, there's a lot of big money Jewish investors. But you know what? We at Harvard have $60 billion. We don't need them anymore. They've already given their money. And we get tax-free endowment income. Stanford, almost $40 billion. Yale, more. We don't need their monies. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good that all these Jewish Americans say they're not going to give us any money. And we're, we get their phone calls. And they scream at us. But you know what? We'll still go to Congress and say we're not doing anything about it. See what they care. Yeah. And well, all, they got caught because it was on television. They looked stupid and, you know, ridiculous. The, the thing about all of this is the only one good thing is going to come out of it. They promised us in the 1950s with the expansion of the university that they would have a general education component of two years. Okay? 60 units. And you would take language, literature, philosophy, math, science etc. History, English, and you would master, master the foundations of a broad liberal arts education. You would know what a Doric order was. You would know who Dante was. You would know the Pythagorean theory. You would understand Darwin. You would have this basic knowledge as an informed citizen. Then you would go out into the workplace and people would think that you had learned to think rationally and analytically and you would help the country because of your intellect and training. Half the country would be mass educated beyond the high school degree. Okay. The second thing they said is, in addition to this, we will turn out top flight lawyers, doctors, 
medical researchers, engineers, MBAs, lawyers, and they will be subject to a uniform code of professional competence and audit. And they will be the best in the world. And all of this put together will make the United States preeminent in science, economy, etc. And if you believe us, we only ask for a few things. We're nonpartisan, and we're starting to raise big endowments. So when we get two or three billion dollars in income, like Stanford, or four or five, like Harvard, please don't tax it. Subsidize us. And in addition, give us hundreds of millions of dollars to promote research. And and again. Can you give us $2 trillion so that these students can come here and we, you can back their loans, even though we're going to up, because of your kindness to us, we'll, we're going to up the rate of inflation. We're going to rate up the rate of tuition increases at a greater rate than inflation. And they broke the, they broke the bargain. They do not educate people in, the, in a general knowledge. They indoctrinate them in worthless, uh, I don't know, commissar-like, talking points, racist, colonial, settler, and that's all they know. They don't know anything. If you go on the Stanford campus and you see a student say, river to the sea, they don't know what river, they don't know what sea. You say to a student, what's the 47 date? How is that important? What was the 56 Suez War? What was the 67 Six-Day War? What was the Yom Kippur War? They don't know. They have no. no idea. What's the British mandate? What's the Balfour? They know nothing. Yeah. And yet, because they're here, that's all. They've never been taught that. And don't even get into the point of, can you give me the plot of Virgil's Aeneid? Can you tell me which is your favorite Shakespeare play? Can you give me some synopsis of what the Civil War was about? Can you distinguish Adams from Jefferson? No, 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 no. They don't know that. So... What they've told us is they're not doing their job. So we should tax the endowment. We should get the government out of the student loans. We shouldn't subsidize this research. And when we see a student come out of these elite, we don't expect them. We don't expect them to know much. And so we're short plumbers and electricians. We're so, I think that we should just tell our youth, unless you really want to go into science and medicine, or engineering, there's no reason really to go to college anymore because we're not going to give you a liberal education. You can go to Hillsdale online courses. Yeah. You can get it online if you really want to be broadly educated, but don't spend this money and take a person out of the workforce for four years. You should tell a young person, if you major in psychology or sociology or gender study, it's a complete waste of time. You're going to be indoctrinated. I, I have a good friend who passed away. He was a brilliant captain of industry and he said to me once he said why do you hire so many people from these bankrupt left-wing elite schools and he said well victor they don't know anything except propaganda but they do do one thing they have a requirement on the sat and they rank their high school so when i hire somebody and they come out of stanford and they didn't get in because they were a legacy or an alumnus kid or a donor's kid or an athlete or because of their skin color or because of their sexual orientation. I know that they have high test scores and I know that they did well in high school 
and I know they're bright. I don't even look at their college transcript. I don't care. I know the classes, everybody gets A's, 80% of them. I know that they're not very good classes, but I can work with these talented people and I retrain them. I tell them, don't, whatever you learned at Stanford, I don't care. I just like the idea they've done my work for them. But if you haven't done that, and you can't guarantee that the people that are going to Harvard were meritocratic to begin with, then what, 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 what is it? It used to be if you came out of Princeton or University of Chicago or any of these universities, you thought, wow, this student has been taught ethics. This student is well-informed and is knowledgeable. And this student is hardworking and disinterested and empirical. Now when they, you come out of these places, you think this student is arrogant, this student is ignorant, this student is vacuous, and this student will be a pain in the neck if I hire her or him. No sooner are they going to come in, they're going to organize something about something about something. They're going to spend most of the day at HR. They're going to be, <laughs> you know some type of hothouse plant that I have to cater to. Just a thorn in the side, Victor. <laughs> like yes. That is not going to be worth it. No lion puts the thorn in their own side. And they well, told us that when you have the president of these universities supporting the, supposedly the leading intellectuals, and they can't even say that it violates their code to advocate the destruction of the Jewish people. Yeah. End of story. End of story. Let's take a break and come back and talk a little bit about government censorship. Stay with us and we'll be back. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back. You can find Victor at X with his handle at VD Hansen, and he has a Facebook page, Hansen's Morning Cup, as well as the unaffiliated but really great group, Victor Davis Hansen Fan Club on Facebook. And they do a lot of work looking at not just the current stuff, but also things from the past. So we really appreciate the, that group. Victor, your State Department had a um, office that was called the Center for Strategic Counterterrorism Communications, and they've rebranded it the Global Engagement Center with new objectives, which are officially to counter mis, dis, and malinformation from foreign agents. And what they're finding out is that they are actually censoring Americans. Surprise, so, surprise. Is that no surprise to us? No, I mean... 
once you have the FBI hiring Twitter and Facebook to do their surveillance, or once you have the FBI doctoring FISA writs to go spy on people, or once you have the head of national intelligence lying under oath and saying the NSA, James Clapper did this, does not spy on people, or once you have the head of the CIA, John Brennan, lying about on two occasions that they, on one, they, they were spying on the, the computers of Senate staffers, and he lied about it under oath. And there were no consequences, so nothing surprises me anymore. And why, why is this going on? Because you get to Washington, you work for the CIA, you work for the FBI, you work for the State Department, you work for DOD, you quickly survey the landscape, and you see everybody lives in wealthy enclaves in Virginia or Maryland around Washington. They're power couples. You go to cocktail parties. The spouse works for NBC. That spouse works for NPR. The husband, the wife works for DOD or DOJ. And they have a mushy left-wing uh, party affiliation ideology. Not that they believe in anything other than their own careers, but they feel like in the Soviet Union, when a person says, you know, I call people comrade, well, their, their ideology is that I like Hillary, or I'm, I'm radically scared of Donald Trump the dictator, whatever it is. And so in that environment, anything goes, any means that are necessary to advance that, that career subjective. So you was there any whistleblowers? No. All these people have no problem violating the Constitution. If they get caught, they know that they look at the people who ordered it. Nothing ever happened to them. We talked about that for lying. Did, it, did anybody get fired at the FBI for hiring Twitter to suppress information? No. You know what happened instead? Eleven former FBI agents retired, and guess who hired them? Twitter. I'll just sum up the whole thing by this. James Baker, chief legal counsel for the FBI, previously known as someone who helped disseminate the Steele fraudulent dossier on the eve of an election and was involved or knowledgeable of FBI payments to Christopher Steele, who was a foreign national and illegally barred from participating in the Hillary Clinton campaign, which explains why they paid him through three paywalls. Okay, what happened to him? He was the one that oversaw the payments of Twitter. He ended up being what? A chief legal counsel for Twitter. I don't know what he was making at the FBI, maybe 170000 He made seven to $8 million at Twitter. And there you have it. Yeah. That's all you need to know. And our listeners also need to know the products that this new department is creating. One of them is called New Guard, and the other one is called Global Disinformation Index. And those are both publications to watch out for, right? Yeah. All you have to know is if you use the word misinformation or disinformation, you're a left-wing audit brand or you're you're trying to suppress free speech if you use those two words yeah hate speech is another one and and you always have a a, a fancy name the stanford internet observatory kind of like the lick observatory that looks at the stars we're just scientists we're an observatory no you were knee deep in the 2020 election 
picking and choosing, calling your friends up. They go back and forth from Google, Facebook, Twitter, Apple, back into Stanford University, back and forth, back into SF politics. They're very wealthy young people. They're very energized, and they believe that any means are necessary to stop the evil right. And that's how they think, and that's how they act. Yeah. Well, well um, if I could turn to our last topic, this, I was deep in reading about Trump because I knew we were going to talk about Trump, and I got into this Newsweek article, and very left-wing publication, and deep in the depths of it, it had a statement, and it's, quote, Democrats have opened a Pandora's box by breaking legal and political norms to try to imprison Biden's chief political rival for 2024. And I thought, wow, that's a revelation for a leaning left publication such as Newsweek. And I was wondering, what's up with that, Victor? Or what are the what's what's up? I, that's really damning. What's up? I think everybody knows what's up. It starts with the premise that once you castigate Donald Trump as a dictator, who would want to allow Mussolini or Hitler or Stalin to take over the United States? So once you demonize him as a dictator, then any means necessary are okay to do it. And so what do you do when you think that the hoi polloi, I should say the polloi, that hoi means the, I, I should apologize to everybody. I, I was speaking in Palm Beach, and I got a really bad cold, so I sound kind of out of it. But once you establish the principle that Donald Trump is Stalin or Hitler or Mussolini, then it's, it's a small step to say, well, any means necessary are okay to stop him. But we can't stop him because there's all these crazy people, unlike us, that are unwashed, they're missing teeth. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting liberally, uh, literally from a CNN reporter who said at a Trump rally that he had more teeth than everybody in the, in the rally, or Peter Stroke, who said he went to a Walmart, and he said, remember he said that he could smell them? Yeah. Or, and we know what they, they're called, deplorables, irredeemables, clingers, dregs, chumps, crazies, etc. So once you say that those people are going to nominate this dictator... And we, the anointed ones with degrees from Harvard or Stanford or Yale, da-da-da-da-da-da, and we are incumbent, we're going to have to break the law. And so what we're going to do is, if, they, if, if through democratic means, they're going to nominate this, this dictator and he could get elected, then we have to stop him. And we're, we're intelligent. We're the Sam Bankman-Freeds of the world. We're the Bankman law professors of the world. We're the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world who put $419 million into the 2020 election. So we have to do something. So we, 2016, as I said, Rosa Brooks, one of the anointed, outlined a way of either the 25th Amendment or impeachment, too slow, too cumbersome, military coup. Maybe that would work. Mark Milley. I'll call up my Chinese counterpart and suggest that if Trump goes uh, berserk, in my opinion, as psychiatrist and Dr. Milley, uh, I will call my Chinese counterpart up and I will have him removed or I will warn the Chinese that, hey, Trump called me up because you guys are threatening us and he wants to do this to you, but I'm going to tell you in advance. That's how they think. And so it's, of course, Latita James can run 
for uh, a prosecutor position in New York by promising people she'll get Donald Trump. And then she waits and waits and waits and waits for two weeks. She gets elected on that. And then she waits until the election cycle. And then she says he overvalued his property. I do a buy Mar-a-Lago. It's got waterfront on both sides. It's 17 or 18 acres. The idea that he says it's worth more than 17 million. Is an overvaluation. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> that thing is worth a billion dollars when you look at all the property. What it sell? I was with a guy who knows Palm Beach. I said, what is that property worth? A hundred million. What's that one over there worth? 85 million. They were minuscule in comparison to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. So, the, so she goes out and gets him for something that has never been, a, a writ that has never been used in anybody in New York real estate, overvaluing your property. There was no injured party. And then you had Fannie Willis that we learned was communicating with the January 6th committee, and she was promising uh, in her e- chain emails that she was going to get Trump. And she gets him on a phone call when he says, I need to find that 10,000 votes. He didn't say create the votes. Was it stupid? Yes. But he didn't say create 10,000. He said find them as if they existed. Yeah. Okay. Did it have any bearing on the election? No. Did did the person say, yes, I will go find them? No. Okay. And that's the second one. And then we had Alvin Bragg who, lo and behold, bragged that he was going to go after Donald Trump. He had a non-disclosure form. He gave some money to Stormy Daniels. That was a campaign finance violation. We're going to indict him. He campaigned. And then we have Jack Smith. Jack Smith's wife is a left-wing operative, political operative. I think she was involved in a documentary of puff piece on Michelle Obama. And then we know what he did to Governor McDonald in Virginia, ruined him, and then he was overturned 9-0. He's got a dismal record as a prosecutor, except he's known as a left-wing bulldog that goes after conservative politicians. And he's going to say that Donald Trump took out classified papers, which he probably did, which he didn't officially declassify. So if Donald Trump had filled out a form and said, I'm taking these 50 papers out, I declass, there would be no offense. And he's doing this when Joe Biden, a vice president who had no legal right to declassify anything and didn't either, if he did, store documents in his garage. And I've been by Mar-a-Lago. I walked by it. I saw the gate. I could not get in there. There's no way in the world I could get into Mar-a-Lago without an appointment and a background check. Joe Biden's garage was wide open. Anybody could break in and take everything. And why did he take it out? Donald Trump took it out to brag to people. That was probably a stupid thing to do. Or he took it out because he was going to go through it and show that he was a victim of being railroaded. Joe Biden took it out, and we think we know that from some of Hunter Biden's communications, so that people could bone up on intelligence information and act as if they were authoritative and market that to foreign governments. That's probably why he took it out. So my point is that if you believe that Donald Trump is a dictator, then you get a left-wing prosecutor who uses it to get elected, what they, she, or he is going to do. You make sure that the prosecution is in Washington, New York, Atlanta, Miami, where you have large numbers of people who do not like Donald Trump, 
and you make sure that they're the judges are going to be liberal. So Donald Trump is facing for the first time as a ex-president and as a leading presidential candidate, he's leading for the presidency for indictments. They all have things in common. They would never have charged anybody else with this. They wouldn't have charged a Republican with this. They would have never done this. They would have never charged a, re a Democrat. And they're convinced that when the Republicans take control for all of their projection, oh, they're going to be, they won't do it either to them. Because yeah. they don't. They don't. So they think they can get away with it. They, they think the left-wing prosecutor, the left-wing judge, and the left-wing jury will nullify the evidence, and they're going to convict him. I believe that. Mm -hmm. The reason that people booed Chris Christie at the last debate... Yeah, went, twice. Twice. All night long, I thought. Because when he started saying that Donald Trump was a criminal and all of this stuff, he never once said what I had just said. He didn't say this. It's problematic how Donald Trump is going to campaign when he will be indicted, he has been indicted and convicted and perhaps jailed and uh, on these charges. He never once said, and most of these charges would not be applicable to anybody else other than Donald Trump. And most of them are just not legally viable in normal circumstances. And while I oppose Donald Trump, and while I don't think Donald Trump will be able to be an effective candidate because of these legal, you know, these these legal predicaments and jeopardies he's in, nevertheless, uh, I think they're wrong. I think what they did to Donald Trump is a miscarriage. He couldn't say that because yeah. it's hatred of Donald Trump, and he's a and he kept bragging that he's a federal prosecutor. Somebody should have said to Chris Christie, "Would you have taken any of these cases and tried to prosecute Donald Trump? Yeah. And would you do it with anybody else? Right now, if Hillary Clinton, would you? I mean, how does overvaluing your real estate sack up Chris with?" T destroying 30,000 emails under federal subpoena and then destroying the devices about them. How does that rack up? And so that's why he was, people were booing him. Yeah. And that's what they're doing, and they're going to get away with it. And I think, it's, I think that they're going to uh, indict him. I think there's going to be evidence that it's a miscarriage of justice. I think the juries will nullify that. They're going to convict him. And these crazy judges are going to sentence him to long sentences. Uh, I think he's, they're going to sentence him two or three years in prison. I really do. Sure, they've got him. The and judges I, and are And I don't know him. how he's going to get out of it. And how? What? We've never been here before. And they don't care that they're destroying the reputation of the United States because we're doing exactly what Brazil does. We're doing exactly like every tin-horn dictatorship throughout the world does. And they just... They can't leave it alone, such as their hatred of him. And they don't understand that they're destroying. And a lot of people on the Republican side, and I've said this, and I was mistaken, I want to apologize. I've said they are lowering the bar so much, you impeach somebody over a legitimate phone call worried that the Biden family is corrupt, and they have fired a prosecutor looking into that corruption, and I do not want to give weapons that have been improved without some assurances that you're not going to be corrupt. That's what Trump did with Zelensky, and they impeached him. They impeached him twice. They never had a special counsel's report. 
They never had an investigation. They never had thorough cross-examination and impeachment hearings. They had a trial. They tried him as a private citizen. And I said things like, oh, so you want to set a precedent that you impeach a president when he loses the House in his first term for political reasons? Oh, you want to set a precedent that you try somebody as a, a private citizen? Oh, and I went on with all the egregious things they've done. This is going to apply to you, and I, I was wrong. It's not. Yeah. Because Republicans are not going to do that, and they mm -hmm. shouldn't do it. No. And the Democrats know that. We're going to do this. We're going to pervert and weaponize and warp the system of justice because we alone can, because we have a higher moral agenda than you do. And if you object, we're going to call you racist and sexist and protectionist and nativist and all these horrible things. And you won't do what we do. And that's why we're going to do it. And you know what? It'll never boomerang back on us. I'm afraid that's true. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is he had such a successful four years despite that. And that I think they would do it to any candidate that got elected by the GOP. Do you think? Like if Ron DeSantis or maybe not Haley, but they would still go after well, him in the same after, fashion. They've, they've gone after DeSantis. They hate him yeah, because he he doesn't say much. He just gets it done. I mean, he did it. He stopped the trans thing. He stopped the Disney thing. He he stopped all of that. And they, uh, if, if DeSantis was president, you would have a wall across the Mexican border within six months the whole border, and you would deport 8 million people who came here illegally and are residing here illegally, and you would have new federal leases for oil production, and you would probably have federal statutes of racketeering, etc., for these criminals that are stealing things and then selling them on the Internet, this whole crime wave, smash and grab, etc., etc., and you would probably have a very different foreign policy. And right now, Israel would be not, not be told, um, you've got, you can't do this and you can't do this. DeSantis said, get it done quickly. That's what he would say. And he would say, I'm not letting anybody in from any nation that sponsors terrorism. And I'm surely not going to let anybody in from Gaza. Not when I saw the pictures of how they treated Jews and, you know, their polls, 75% said they supported Hamas. Remember one thing about that poll. So I think about a year earlier, people in the West were excited that Hamas uh, was only polling 30 to 40%, right? And they had, they had one election in 2006, and they've never had another election. So people said, you know, people get caught tired. They took $2 billion, $3 billion a year in foreign aid. They hijacked it, they're corrupt, they live it up in Beirut and Gutter, Doha, and they build all these tunnels. They build a whole city for themselves, nothing for us, we don't like them. Okay. Nothing happened at that poll. There was no protest because they know they'd be killed. And then after they went in, 2,000 people killed 1,200 Jews and wounded or injured 4,000. Guess what? They went up to 75%. So how do you explain that? The only thing I can explain is the mentality of the Gaza citizen went something like this. Ah, I didn't like Hamas because they were corrupt and they stole my money and I live in a miserable condition and they didn't kill Jews. But I'm willing to support them if I live in a miserable condition 
and they stole all the money and they kill a lot of Jews. And because they kill Jews, I'm willing to put up with the corruption, therefore I support them. There is a third cycle in that popularity bandwidth, and this will be this. I predict within six months, when a Hamas leader pops up, they will hate his guts. They will suddenly say, well, we wanted you to kill all these people, and you did, but didn't you know they were going to do this to me? And they did it to me. And now I don't have a house. And now uh, you, you put you put all these rockets in my basement of my apartment. And now they blew up my apartment because of your weapons. And I don't like you anymore. And then all of a sudden they're going to say, we don't like Hamas. And is it going to be because they didn't kill Jews? No, it's because they didn't kill Jews and ensure that they wouldn't suffer the consequences. And you put all that ideology together and you know the mindset or the mentality of the Gaza citizen. It is this. We don't like people stealing our money. We don't like all the money for 300 miles of tunnels. We don't like you putting all your rockets and headquarters under our mosque hospitals. And we especially don't like it when you do that and you don't bring us results of dead Jews. However, if you do that, and make life miserable for us, but you kill more Jews in one day than any day since the Holocaust, and more importantly, you rape them, and you mutilate them, and you cut their breast off, and you decapitate them, and you burn them, then we like you. However, if you do all of this, we like you when the, the IDF hasn't responded. However, if they respond, and we suffer, and all of a sudden they're They've got world opinion that says, go back and punish these people, and we suffer because of you. Now we don't like you again. Yeah, of course. And that's what the, I think that's what the polls will show. We don't like you when you don't kill Jews, no matter how corrupt. We like you, no matter how corrupt, when you kill a lot of Jews with impunity and there's no retaliation. And we don't like you when you're corrupt. You kill Jews, but it costs us uh, our livelihoods. Yeah. And that's where we are. Yeah. And we're going to let these people come into the United States, many of whom accompanied, 500 of them accompanied people in to kill Jews. They spit and they spit, kicked uh, corpses. When one of the hostages left, remember he escaped and he was wandering around Gaza for what, a few hours? And guess who? All the, uh, the citizens of Gaza ratted him out and told Hamas he'd escaped and they recaptured him. Yeah. So my point is there's no evidence that the people of Gaza, these moral giants that are shocked that in their name Hamas went out and did the most unspeakable, despicable things that we've seen in our lifetimes to innocent civilians. Well, Victor, your dogs have been calling a rap to this show yeah, for a little bit, uh, for a while. It's, yeah, it's, sorry it's, about it, that. It's audience. sunrise and people are starting to drift in on the farm and to it's do feeding stuff. time, yeah. And they're trying to tell me two things. Victor, there's people all around the farm, and B, I haven't been fed yet, and it's almost sunrise, so get <laughs> out here, especially they can see me in my little annex si sitting here talking to something when they should be feeding them. I have a feeling the B is more important than the A there. All yeah. right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hanson signing off. Thank you, everybody. Hey there. 
it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. Thank you.